Today's scripture is Mark 2, verses 21 to Mark 3, verse 6. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God, where Abiathar was high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on that Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Holy wisdom, holy words. So I want to begin and just tell you a few stories about tables that were influential um, for my life. And I want to begin with the last one. Last week, it was the first time uh, in history, basically, that the clergy from, or the pastors from all three conferences that are overseen by our bishop gathered together. And uh, we gathered in Vancouver, uh, and it, it was just a phenomenal time of getting to know each other. But the point at which we became one was around a table. And it was a table very similar to this one. Just before receiving communion, what we did, and again, in all my years of ministry, I don't remember ever doing this before, is after a question and answer time with the bishop, our Episcopal leader, the person who was moderating the discussion asked Grant, our Bishop Hagia, if he was willing to go out in the center of the room and allow us as pastors to lay hands on him and pray God's blessing on him. And you imagine then people from the Oregon-Idaho Conference, the Pacific Northwest Conference, and the Alaska Missionary Conference all gathered together around the table and particularly around him, laying hands on him and on each other and just the concentric circles that went out beyond there. It was one of the most beautiful, um, weeping-filled times that I can remember. And part of it because... He trusted us enough to share personal things for the first time around things that were going on in his life. And we were able to then pray specifically for him gathered around that table. 
My earliest one that I wanted to share with you was uh, I was six years old and my older brother was eight and my younger sister was four and we lived up on Magnolia Hill. Uh, We had just moved to the area um, from upstate New York. Just didn't have a lot, didn't know anybody. Um, We're really not in good shape financially. I will admit that to you at this point because it will help you understand this story. And my mom had gone out and purchased a, didn't have Costco back then, but a Costco-sized jar of strawberry jam. It was huge, especially to a six-year-old. Now, my brother, who can be challenging at times, let me say that differently. My brother, older brother, who was always challenging, decided that it would be fun to do the think fast, Right? And so he grabbed that jar of jam, shoved it across the table, and said, Bradley, think fast. I didn't. And it went off the table and shattered on the floor. My mom came in and immediately knelt down and began to weep. And not only weep, but clean up the shards of glass now embedded fully in that strawberry jam. We couldn't figure out why she was crying. But she was crying because of the amount of money it took to buy that jar of jam and what she had to choose not to buy in order to give us that gift. My mom continues to this day to be incredibly wise and would take those kinds of opportunities to share with all three of us, at that point, kids. And she said, you know, losses come in a variety of flavors. In this case, it was strawberry jam. But what often happens when a loss occurs is it goes much deeper than what you can see on the surface. We learned a great lesson from that, and I can still hear her words as we sat with her cleaning up the strawberry jam. The next one that I want to talk about was, and it's ironic because we just came over the last two days from George Fox University where we went down to family weekend to visit Cora and her boyfriend. (laughs) I will tell you, over the years in four children, I have learned how to be intimidating. (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. And we love Chandler. He's great. But but it was the, the Thanksgiving of 1996 that we were sitting around the table and our whole family was there. Uh, It was amazing. Uh, Brothers and sisters and and Dorothy's mom was even there. And and we had an incredible Thanksgiving, but it was the day after Thanksgiving that created the memory, sitting again around the table, eating those wonderful Thanksgiving leftovers. It's really my favorite part of Thanksgiving. It's not the the meal, it's it's the leftovers. So there we were, and my sister, um, who who decided as a joke that, that she was going to play a trick on Dorothy. And Dorothy, and I don't know how to delicately say this, um, Dorothy had missed some things that women experience monthly. I said it more delicately first service, but I couldn't remember how I put it. Sorry, honey. Please pray for me this afternoon. Um, And so my sister went 
to the, the, the local Rite Aid and bought one of those wonderful little pregnancy sticks and took Dorothy into the bathroom because we knew there was no way. I mean, she had said, I knew there was no way. And, and she was concerned. I, I was getting there. Did you want to share this? No, you don't. Um, so, because I can embellish it so much better than you do. Um, she was 40. We were in our 40s, and we thought, there's no way that, 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 that she's pregnant. Sitting around the table, again, the whole family there, including her mother, I heard the blood-curdling scream come from the bathroom. I put my head on the table and said, this changes everything. She came back into the room. We began doing the math, knowing that we were going to be 60, 60 when our daughter graduated from high school. I share that with you because that is a memory because then what happened is my sister-in-law bought uh, this beautiful bottle of wine that we shared other than her, and it is now filled with what's called pookie juice because that was the name that they gave Cora before um, that, and, and now it's filled with water from all over the world, all over the world, including the Jordan River that, we will, that I will use for every baptism that I do in ministry talking about us as a world communion. And, and yet, the other thing about that meal, beyond that memory, was it was really the last time we shared time with Dorothy's mom. And, and so that, again, created that kind of significant memory, the, the joy of new birth and the sorrow of loss, and loss on so many levels and loss that meant so much more than we realized on that day. The next one that I want to share with you happened in 1983. And it was, and I've shared this with you before, but maybe the best friend that I have ever known uh, had dinner uh, on a beautiful August night and was living in Shelton doing youth ministry there. And... And there was something about Randy that night. Randy was a United Methodist pastor, and, and there was something about his demeanor that night that, that began to set off small alarms in me. And the embrace that we had after dinner as he left was longer than normal. We loved each other very, very much. And he had the keys to the Shelton Church because he was one of the most phenomenal organists that I have ever heard. And, and so he would go to the church and play this incredibly beautiful organ. It was the last time that I saw him alive. For he went home from that dinner, left a suicide note on my office door, and killed himself that night. And yet it's that dinner that I hold on to, knowing that that was the last time that we had time together. And not knowing the depth, as my mom would say about strawberry jam, the depth of that relationship and the depth of his depression and sorrow that would have led him to make a decision like that. And finally, I want to talk about this and this. This table represents a memory. And what we often don't focus on when we think about communion and think about these elements was there was something that happened this night so far beyond what we now celebrate. Why was it that not only the disciples, but
But even Paul, a little bit later on, chose to remember this. And what we have to do is go back to that meal, that dinner, if you will, around that table. And remember who was sitting there. This incredible, diverse group of people. Group of disciples that gathered together. And all of them, disciples that Jesus loved. And remember, every single one of those gathered around that table had been invited by Jesus. Every one had been invited to be there, no matter who they were or where they came from. No matter what their history may have been. And there was a lot of history in those folks. Something happened around that table that night. As Jesus talked about His life, His history, but took it farther, what He did then was He shared that we are starting something new. And remember what was said about Him. That He was teaching in a new way, but with authority. And He knew that one of those would betray Him. And another would deny Him. And yet He saw the potential in each one and what they would do beyond the doors of that place where they celebrated the Passover that night. And here we are, on a Sunday morning in 2015, remembering that meal because of what it created in each one of those folks. And to a great extent, it is why we do what we do on the table behind me. Every one of these candles, all 48 of them, represent a life, represent memories that we've had, right? Memories that we've had that were shared around tables. They represent, in some cases, and really in every case, an empty chair now occupied occupied around that table. But even with the empty chair, we carry in our hearts the memories of every single one of these folks. And somehow, like this, they have helped define what we have become. But here's the danger. Like this meal, we can get caught up in just remembering. But what we are called to do is to take it farther. As Jesus had those expectations of those gathered around this table, I can't imagine but that every one of those folks represented by these candles as we light and read names and hear a chime didn't also have expectations that we would take this further. Whatever they taught us, they did it in such a way that we now take those memories and look beyond our doors. Finally, at first service, at the end of the message, I, I had um, Bill Ferguson, you know, he had that little helicopter with a video camera on it that went up and looked at the church and centered in on the cross and then went up and circled and saw around the whole area around the church. And I thought, that's our call, isn't it? That's our call. That's what comes next for us. As we go to Starbucks and we distribute that food to those in need, We look around this neighborhood and look at what the hopes and dreams may be. I looked at the 50 children a week ago Friday and I watched the children this morning as they came in and received communion with their families and thought, this is what we do. 
We don't just come in here and celebrate being together. We go into the world so that they can find not only us, because we're a pretty special group, but find Christ, find hope, find love, find grace. And that is the call for every single one of us. As we prepare to light the candles, here's my challenge to you. And as you prepare to come and receive communion, I want you to picture someone, someone around you that is not a part of this body of Christ. Someone around you who needs hope right now, who needs encouragement, who needs some grace, who may need food or shelter, who may need a kind word. And as you come to receive, commit, commit to going and offering them whatever it is that they may need. It is what we are to do, not just be comfortable by celebrating what has passed, but now being encouraged to move out and look for those opportunities like that helicopter did, not only in this neighborhood, but in the world. Friends, that is the challenge. As we move into the lighting of the candles, we do this every year, and I invite, as we read a name, and you hear the chime, as you hear the name, and you are aware or know that person or are celebrating that person today, I invite you to stand to honor them, to remember them. You'll hear the chime, a moment of silence, and then you'll be seated and the next name will be read and we will continue to light candles. It's a long list today. But oh my heavens, it is such an important list. For look at the relationships listed on the right side of that insert in your bulletin. Not just the names, but also the relationships. As we begin, I ask that we pray. God, as we prepare to light candles this morning, as we prepare to remember these saints, these saints who have gone before, these saints that we carry in our hearts, we ask your blessing on this time, that it would be a rich time of remembrance. But God, also, please make it be a challenging time that we are that next wave of concentric circles like we saw praying over the bishop that are called to go and find those who need to be invited to this place, this table, so that they too can be renewed. I ask your blessing again on this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.